Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What's going on, everybody? Brand new episode of the Load Management Podcast. Your boy Chops here in New York City, like always. My man Zion with me, Adam out in L.A. Very special guest today. Huge guest, Stefan Marbury in the house with us. What's going on, man? What's up, man? I'm good. Yeah, peace? Yeah, man. We appreciate you coming through, yeah. promoting your brand new documentary, A Kid from Coney Island, out now. Thank you so much for coming through. How are you feeling today? I feel great, man. I'm just happy to be here. I'm I'm alive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm we, alive. I'm thankful. God is great. We appreciate you coming through. We know how uh, these stressful these press runs can be, so you know we appreciate you taking the time. All good. Uh, we all watched the documentary. Very good. Very enjoyable. One thing that stood out to me, and I got to ask you about, because my man Speedy, who works with us, recently interviewed Fat Joe, mm. and he talked about the Rucker Park games, mm. and that's mentioned in the doc. But what Fat Joe talked about, who's in the dock a lot, he's great in the dock. The game that never happened. The biggest <laughs> game that never happened. That's classic. The Fat Joe Jay-Z game that it got shut down. All I'm going to say is they didn't get off the bus. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't got to say really too much after that. They didn't get off the bus. Fat Joe said you would have scored 60 if that game would have happened. It was a lot that was going to happen that game if it would have happened. So we could all just, you know, think about what it is that we want to say about what happened that night. But at the end of the day, they didn't get off the bus. <laughs> was it did – the, did the cops not let them get off the bus? Like – It don't matter. You could play in the dark. (laughs) Is it true Shaq was there? Like, there's so many, like, this is such a legendary thing that never happened in, like, New York Hoops history, you know? Like, LeBron may have been there. Fat Joe said he had Melo. Everybody was was playing in that game. I thought during that time, the hype of basketball was at the ultimate for the park because not everybody played in the park. Mm. So when guys that never grew up playing in the park was coming to the park to play, you know, it was that's what made it so epic. So when we didn't play, it was like this, like Kaiser Sose story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you never seen it, you don't know what happened, but you know what happened. Like yo, that's why I said at the end of the day they didn't get off the bus. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard Shaq said he was uh, Fat Joe was gonna break out, yo. I mean, <laughs> y'all at Rucker Park? What was y'all going to do at Rucker Park? Man? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stories, but the fact is, they didn't get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get off the bus. Did Did you ever run into Jay-Z after that? Did that ever get no. resolved? Never, no. to this day. Uh-uh. <laughs> hey, man, that's a tough squad you guys would have played, though. I don't know if y'all could... Fat, LeBron and Shaq? Fat Joe said in the interview <laughs> we did with him, he didn't know if you guys would have won. What do you think? I don't know. We're not going to never know. <laughs> they didn't get off the they bus. They didn't get off the bus. <laughs> they didn't get off the bus. <laughs> Basically. 
That's basically what happened at the end of the day. We was on the court. They was they was on the bus. Yeah. There's so that's the one thing about the doc. There's so much New York hoops history involved in it, you know, from your high school days to the park and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh was that something you just like really set out to capture like the battles between you and Felipe Lopez, like just all that, you know? I mean, it's it's something that happened and something that went on. So we give people opportunity to um, learn about um, a player that people know from playing basketball in New York. Um, I think as New York players know, whenever you could really create a name for yourself, you know, not only on a on a on a playground but in the NBA, you know, it's it's something in basketball. So you always have something that you're gonna always be able to talk about historically, and it's gonna be passed on to generations inside of the neighborhoods where we come from. So that name and what was done, it went together. So telling the story now, it was the perfect timing because, you know, we're finished playing basketball. You don't make a documentary and the story while you hooping. Yeah. You know, you don't write books. For me personally, you write about it after you finish. Mm-hmm. So I did what I had to do and then now it's time to, you know, show people and let people know a lot of the information that they may have had that was false. Um, things that were said about me as a human being, you get to show all of these different things because they weren't capturing those moments. We were. Mm-hmm. So when people trying to speak into your life to tell tell your story and they never even they never were there, you either did something or they don't like you. <laughs> What's interesting is Stephen A. Smith was one of your biggest critics on the Knicks, but he's you know Stephen A. Smith, man. <laughs> he's one of the, but he's <laughs> in the doc. He, he's in the dock praising yeah. you, talking about how you were the guy, like you know. Yeah, it's the reason why people praise when after they shit on you. <laughs> you know, there's only a couple of reasons, and I think people are smart. You know, he does his thing and he do what he's doing. You gotta have those type of people on the platform, you know, to to show the story, to make sure that the doc is official in this. You know, it's real, it's authentic, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's positive. It's For the most part, it's pos- positive, but it's it's something that happened. You know, I look at Stephen A. Smith and I and I smile and I laugh at the same time. People are like, why are you laughing? Why are you smiling? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you, you get these type of people who are in this position now to speak about sports and they've mm-hmm. never really done anything in sports. So you got to have these type of you know, attitudes and these type of personalities on your documentary so it has the validity that it needs for people to really get the true story. Yeah, yeah. So, Steph, you know, what was the biggest misconception about you that you felt that you wanted to address in the documentary? Because obviously there's a lot of narratives out there about you, but what, I guess, bothered you the most that you wanted to kind of change the record on? Well, to say it bothered me, it was just upsetting to, 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 to think that, a human being would try to make another human being think something that wasn't true. Um, it's one thing that I was able to do, and that was play basketball. When people start saying I couldn't play basketball no more, I was like, damn, this is a different type of hate. <laughs> this is not even about, you know, me. This is not even about basketball. This is about that human being. <laughs> like, as far as them feeling and thinking this way, like, out of all things, you don't say I can't play basketball no more because... I said I told the truth about Larry Brown. Like that's not gonna work. You gotta actually get something real if you're gonna come say something to me. I'm from Coney Island, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know, it's 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 a lot of things that have gone on in my career. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as you tried to make me out to be. I mean, obviously, if a billion people think completely different about me as far as playing basketball, it gotta be something wrong with you. <laughs> it just doesn't work when they throw up statues for black kids that come from Coney Island. That's just not normal. Where you get museums on the main road five kilometers from Tenement Square. They don't do things like that for just black kids that are what you're trying to make me out to be. <laughs> it's interesting to me because in the doc, it uses an old interview, the Larry Brown thing. You guys were at a practice. Was it the same practice? I can't even remember. But Larry Brown was basically sub, sub, subbing you, and you had your thoughts on it. And you said it always comes back on the players. Of course. I mean, Larry Brown... He's a he's a good coach for guys that he liked to coach. That's what kind of coach Larry Brown is. I look at Larry Brown as a great businessman. Larry Brown went from making X amount of dollars from Detroit Pistons. He left the Detroit Pistons, went to New York. I'm like, it's a different type of put the money in the bag going on over here, man. Like it's you know it's great negotiating where you could get bought out of one deal, then go sign a bigger deal at another organization. Like, these type of things were happening and going on, and I will be the person that will point these things out and say it, and people didn't like it, which I understand because I was spitting something that they couldn't really feel because it was too real, but it was understandable. So I became that kid from Coney Allen. I wasn't no longer the kid that hooped and played ball. I was the kid that thought yeah, to speak and say something. <laughs> yeah. You were definitely one of the first. I think it's pretty common in the NBA these days for guys to speak their minds. I mean, if you don't say how you feel and what's actually happening in your real life, you're losing. You're basically going backwards in your life. Like, you're not actually living. You're actually doing something other than living if you can't be honest and be truthful about what happened. Yeah. I'm not even so, I'm not making something up. I'm just speaking about what happened. I can't talk about what happened right before my face in real life. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to leave this space one day. I can't even enjoy my space about what's happening. I'm not perfect. Of course I'm not perfect. You want me to tell on myself what I've done? Yeah, I didn't listen to you when you told me to do something that I didn't think was going to work. You mad about that, Larry Brown? <laughs> like, I didn't think that that was going to work for me and how I play. So I didn't do that. So I'm a bad person now. I'm all of these different things. It's a lot that went on that a lot of people don't know. I'm like, you weren't even there. You're talking about what somebody else told you. So, you know, for me, being able to actually give this, this get, to give this type of platform where people get the opportunity to view, see, and hear, they can get they literally can become emotionally connected with what's actually real and what went on during these times so people can have those, oh, you had me believing that for 20 years? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, and then you finally wake up and you're like, damn, well, you know, I've, I've, I've become immune to this and thinking this and feeling this. And I, I just wasn't that type of dude to do that. My, my pops is from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and my mom's from New York. That's a that's an ill blend, <laughs> yeah. if you know black culture. Yeah. I mean, that's a real ill blend. It's a strong-willed mind. So, you know, I think a lot of people, they didn't really pay attention to that. What's interesting is you, you talk about the players always get blamed, but when you look at the Knicks, not much has changed with the organization. We just saw Spike Lee almost get kicked kicked out of the arena you know it's like at some point you can't always just blame the players it's the higher ups of that situation 
I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to leave it at this. The New York Knicks are the number one making money team in basketball. Okay, factual, so factual statement. This is facts. I'm only I only speaks about factorial is the only route that I could go. Especially me when I say something, <laughs> everybody's gonna check my words because <laughs> they definitely don't like some of the stuff that I say. So if they're the number one making money team in basketball and they play the way how they play, what does that tell you? <laughs> the popcorn stay popping, the beer keep flowing, and the food keep going. So if all of these different things is going on and you st- and people still going to buy tickets to go to the game and they still supporting, what does that tell you? They coming to see the other team. <laughs> that's what's happening. They cheer more for the dudes that's on the other team than they cheer for the dudes that's playing for the team. Well, what's crazy is like someone with Spike is he's been loyal for so long. Man, and then... loyalty. Come on, man. You know how long that go. Ain't no loyalty Spike? In business. Spike, one of the most loyal fans ever. Nah, man. Spike loyal to trying to win. Yeah, well, that's what Spike. Spike is upset. He's, he's getting upset. older. He's like, yo, he come needs on. to see some victories. You got, he got, he got more facial expressions than me <laughs> on the bench, on sitting on the floor. He got a lot of different stances and poses when the game's going on. He's like, you can tell by his mood when the game about the t- when the game about to change. <laughs> you can look at him from how he be sitting there from on his knees. To like this, to like this, you got a lot of pictures. Yeah. Steph, do you at all still follow the Knicks? I mean, obviously, a kid growing up from Brooklyn, you know, Knicks were everything. Um, but do you still follow them? Do you still give a shit about them? Do you still care about them actually, you know, becoming relevant at some point in our lifetime? The Knicks are the most relevant team in basketball. No, I mean, they're not relevant from about? a ba- I mean, they're relevant <laughs> from business standpoint. I get that. They're the most valuable franchise in the NBA, like $4.6 billion. Me. But it's like, you know, it's as a Knicks fan myself, as someone that grew up, you know, rooting for them, and, and you did too as a Brooklyn kid, and everyone from New York basically grows up rooting for the Knicks. Like, they've been a shit show for 20 years now. So I guess I'm just curious if you ever can foresee them being good, relevant, competent, and not a complete shit show in our lifetime. I'm going to put it like this. I bleed orange and blue. I grew up watching the Knicks from when I was a little kid on Channel 11, right? So, what's that, 9 nine or 11, one of the channels that they played on that night. So, I grew up in this. I don't, I don't know anything else. So, I've grown to live and deal with how they talk about our players <laughs> in the newspaper front and back. I've grown to listen to you talk about your team the way you talking about your team. Like, I talk about, only we can talk about our team like that. Somebody else say something about the Knicks, we always fight to the death, right? And then it comes to the point where we got to die and we say, oh, yeah, they are bad. Okay, <laughs> we know that, right? So, check it. So, for me... The way how I look at the Knicks, I say to myself, it's a business and then it's basketball. When they want the basketball to change, they change the basketball. It's like, oh, our fans are getting a little bit to the point where they're ready to jump. All right, don't worry about it. You know, we're going to put somebody on the team that's going to be good, and then that happens. And then you spoil them for a little bit, and then it changes again. Nobody really wants to read about the Knicks doing good no more. 
Think about it. You pick up the newspaper, you see something good, you're like, oh, they won. They beat the I mean, Houston. It's, it's fun to bash them. It's fun to like jump on the bandwagon and just destroy them, especially ownership and all the stupid nonsense that comes down from the top. No, nah, I'm not down on it because I played there and I'm a fan. So I believe one day it will happen. That's part of that's part of the the the, the ideology and what we've been thinking in America. I mean, in New York. Well, I'm in China, New York for so long. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you're a Knicks fan, you look at the Knicks and you say, when? Like, <laughs> how? You get so high on hopes of, on getting KD and getting Kyrie. Mm-mm. That's not happening. Well, I can tell you when it's going to change, but I have no idea. Or, you know, I have oh, just no idea when the actual date's going to happen. Steph, you're a head coach now in China. <laughs> that was a quick transition there, pal. Yeah, I know what that was a transition <laughs> about. We're not well, talking about Dolan. Nah. That's dead. Well, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Moving on then. Steph, well, you're a head coach in China. Would you ever be? Would you ever coach the Knicks? Say the Knicks approach you to be the head coach. <laughs> Dolan, I don't think Dolan will offer me the job. I don't They're know. looking for a coach. <laughs> I don't think he will offer me the job. Hey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, 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 they, I don't know what to say, man. The Knicks. That's that's basically what every Knicks fan says. That's they don't know Knicks what to say. Right there. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. They're exasperated because you know, I, I, you know, I kind of sometimes I don't laugh, but I say, "Wow, that's amazing." You tried to blame all of that on me. All right, cool. I get it. No problem. <laughs> but then well, sometimes. You know, Huh? God, Steph, God. But you know, when you when you hear that and you see that when 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 people you know when they do that and they don't know, you really can see somebody that don't know and blaming people for stuff that really wasn't your fault, and you laugh and you <laughs> you gotta really be strong in your mind to literally like laugh and be like, oh, that's okay that he feels that way, even though that that's not true, you know. A lot of stuff that goes on with these guys when they're playing, you look at them, you can see the same you can see the same face I had. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I literally look at some of them, it's you know, you want to win. Nobody likes losing, man. Nobody want to get punched in the face every day. That's just not something that you want to do. That's losing. And and you playing in New York, that's that's a it's a hard place to play, man. Mm-hmm. One thing that was very interesting to me in the doc was kind of the real story, like you're talking about the real story that a lot of people don't know, but like even with the Wolves, kind of how you and KG were very close, but the contract stuff kind of created I, this something. This is perfect. I love it. First of all, this is what I always say to people when I tell them to their face. I say to you, ask Kevin Garnett, do he think that I could be jealous of him? That's first thing. That's the first <laughs> thing. Second thing is, I didn't want to live in Minnesota. If you ever been to Minnesota, it's ten thousand lakes. I've, my family's from Minnesota. It's Minnesota, so you you know Minnesota. Yeah, That's very cold. Minnesota is what we called it. Yeah. Right. Now, I love the fans. Amazing. I yeah. can't go into talking about how amazing the fans are in Minnesota. I love the fans in Minnesota. But when I had to think about me driving on black ice and living in snow for six more years of my life. I said, I'd rather go back home if I'm going to do that, <laughs> right? Yeah. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to – see, for some people, playing in the NBA, everybody got – like Kobe wanted to be the one of the best players ever to play. I wanted to get my moms out of the hood. Yeah. So my thinking wasn't like how his thinking was as far as why I played basketball and why I did what I wanted to do. So me going to Minnesota, I can make the same amount of money if I go to – 
any other team. I was trying to go to the New York, New Jersey, Tri-State area. It didn't matter. So during that time, after KG signed that contract, they put a cap. Yeah, changed the rules. They changed the rules. So you only can make this amount of money. So if there's a ceiling over your head, how can you go through the ceiling in the NBA? Like, how do you do that? You can't yeah. make no more money than what you can make. And yeah. I made the max. Yeah. So if I can make the max and I can go home and I got that chance, why wouldn't I want to do that? I didn't look at basketball like, oh, I'm going to be playing with Kevin for nine, ten years and be like John Stockton and Carl Malone. <laughs> that wasn't what I wanted to do. That wasn't my life. That wasn't my style or what I was, you know, trying to be paired up with someone to yeah. play basketball. It's just a game. So I was aware from a young age that basketball is just a game, Stefan. That's all it is from what my mother was taught me and what she told me. So my my understanding about how I felt about something wasn't the same as someone else and how they felt about it. I yeah. was more concerned with how I was going to live in my life. Yeah, that's interesting because in the doc, like your brother's like, yo, if he stayed, they're winning a championship. Yes, that's so that wasn't right. to you. No, that, that was me. That yeah. wasn't them. That, everybody got their own opinion about how they feel about what they what someone else should do. Some yeah. people may say, oh, you should lose weight. Yeah. Right. I got a fat sister. So I know like she said, yeah, everybody tell me I should lose weight all the time. But I like to eat. <laughs> right. And yeah. it's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You got what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's that's people's preference. That's that's what you like. You can identify in what I'm saying when I say that. So why would you want to force something on me and make me do something that I don't want to do? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that. That's fair. That seems like a very unique, and which is good to you. You've always been your own person. Did people come at you because you're like, yo, he doesn't want to be a winner. He doesn't want to do this. Did that bother? It's like no, so that, it that never bothered me. Never I knew who you. I was. Yeah. I mean, I knew what I was as a basketball player. I never lost playing basketball growing up. You could ask anybody that's from New York that watched me. They'd be like, you know me. You know him for winning, right? When I first went to Minnesota, they never made it to the playoffs. Yeah. The first year, Kev was there. Kev didn't start until 67, 57, 67 games into his rookie year. He really didn't play that much his first year. He was developing that first year. I went to college, so I had a different type of development mm -hmm. when I went to the NBA. My understanding was completely different from a point guard perspective. So when I went to Minnesota, we went to the playoffs the first year and the second year. So when I mm -hmm. went to New Jersey, people forgot everybody got hurt. <laughs> yeah. So how you going to play on the team? Like Steph Curry out, Durant out, Kyle, Kyle T Clay Thomas is out. Okay, y'all go win. Go make it to the playoffs now. <laughs> yeah. Let me see y'all go make it to the playoffs. But they yeah. don't talk about that when they talk about that with me. I played with probably more 10-day guys than anybody ever in history in basketball in the NBA. <laughs> you <laughs> know, check it. You know who's a, a current guy who these conversations come up with is Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a proven champion. I mean, period. When you hot, you hot. When you not, you not. Period. If you get hurt, you out. <laughs> Nobody talking about you. Yeah. It's going. It's in the moment. Nobody's nobody has no time for anything else other than speaking about what's going on in the moment. It's but so much you want to talk about, oh, he's out, his hurt, hand is hurt, and blah blah blah. I mean, before before social media, you wouldn't even see um Steph Curry. <laughs> He'd be in the lab doing what he's doing. Nobody you basically if it's another nice player, 
that nice player come in and he'll be playing until Steph Curry come back and then they put them on the court and then they're going to say, oh, how they going to share the basketball? He's averaging <laughs> da-da-da-da-da points and Steph Curry come. That's news. Yeah. That's what you got something to talk about. But now he stay active. Social media, hand clapping with his daughter, you know, capture that. That's five million views right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that right now, right? We didn't have all of that back in the days when we was playing. Because yeah. if it was, the dynamic of it would have been completely different in how it is now. Yeah. You sort of, you sort of started the social media way, by the way, with your live streams. <laughs> was that in the Vaseline? Oh, I was crazy. Right, yeah. I'm like, dude, I, I ate Vaseline, and you're speaking to me and talking to me. Your mom's is on crack, and your pops is on cocaine, and you talking to me. And I know you, and I know your moms and your pops gave them money and probably went and got, got balls for them, and now you talking to me about me eating Vaseline? You really making a joke about me eating Vaseline? I'm like, homie, I don't think you want to do this with me. You're going to kill yourself. I'm not the one. <laughs> Basketball players too, NBA players. I'm like, come on, homie, stop. You, you, you hurting yourself. Not Vaseline. Don't listen to what people are telling you. You're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> they were, they were trying it with you. Yeah, I'm like, I told, I was like, I was doing the camera video stuff 11 years ago. Yes, very like this early. is old what you're doing right now and doing Instagram live and. You were the first one. It's not even a question. We already know what it was. So, you know, when they think about what I was thinking about now, they're like, damn, he really lived 13 hours ahead of us right now. <laughs> like, this is serious. Like, he sleep. I'm awake. I'm awake. He's. This is different. And I mean, anyway. I mean, you talked about uh, living in that era <laughs> versus now. From a basketball, <laughs> from a basketball standpoint, if you played in this era, obviously scoring guards are a thing now. Damian Lillard, Kyrie, and them. No hand checking. Yeah, no hand checking. <laughs> Would you have just, dominated a bit more? I just. I, this is the best part about the whole NBA thing. When I see interviews of, when guys are speaking and they talking, they never ever talk about playing against me. <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing that you get people that talk about this era and about basketball. I'm like, okay, as bad as my teams were because we didn't make the playoffs. Because if you don't make the playoffs, Charles Barkley, you're with us, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Miller, you're with us. <laughs> I don't care how many threes you hit, buddy, but. You know, when you talk about this era and how we play, our style, Iverson, my style, you know, that's our style in playing basketball the way how these guys are playing right now. If you're a point guard and you can't score, you make a lot of money, they're going to be like, how? How's that <laughs> happening? This dude is averaging 15 points. 12 points. I seen a guy make over $100 million. He averaged nine point something points, 10 points. I said, hold oh, what the? <laughs> this is different right here. Like, you really had to go work. I'm like, we played against, like, Jordan and Olajuwon, like, monumental figures in basketball, like, and got at them. And then to see this now is different. Yeah. It's like the game is different. It's not, it's not the same, but it's great. These kids are way more athletic. I'm looking at guards jump from the free throw line. I'm like, I couldn't do that. I'm just going <laughs> to tell that I couldn't do that. Like, it's cool to see stuff that kids are doing that you can't do. Like, it's, it's dope. Yeah, but Steph, you also did some crazy things in your career. And averaging basically 20 and 8 is pretty ridiculous for a point guard. So 
I wonder, do you feel underappreciated by NBA fans, basketball fans? Because, again, what you did for a point guard during your time um, is pretty crazy historically. I mean, for me personally, I mean, Oscar Robinson is one of the other people who have done that in um, Westbrook. To be in the, the category with these guys and averaging this amount of points is pretty cool because it's something that was done in a game that is pretty dominant as far as people viewing and watching basketball. So for me, being able to have done that, I just know that it was it was work. It was real numbers that were put up. When people ask me about the Hall of Fame, I laugh. I'm like, why wouldn't I make the Hall of Fame? My number's the Hall of Fame. I said, forget about the person. We're not even talking about China. <laughs> That's a whole nother other in, in what has been done on earth. So for me, you know, seeing that, I'm just thankful to God that I had the opportunity to be, to be able to play at that level to do that. A lot of people, and like I said, the Kyrie thing, they'll be like, he was selfish. He only thought about himself. Did that bother you then? No. It, it, does it bother you now that people no. still brought that with them? No. That's a person's opinion about how they feel. Yeah. That's all that is. I mean... If enough people write about it and talk about it, enough people read it and hear it, I'm, it's a lot of people going to say it. So it's it's fine. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a hooper. That's what he is. Yeah. Like, I see so many people saying so many great things about Kobe, and they hated Kobe. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. I've watched you literally go in about what he did as a player and this and that. Like, I get it, I understand, you know, it's a sensitive subject and a sensitive thing, but that's my classmate, like, for real, 96. Like, we battled, we went up against each other for years, over a decade. You know, that work that was put in, that's different work. You know, you don't need to go and get guys like LeBron to go speak and talk about what they're going to carry and all of that. He, you, he don't need you to carry his legacy. His legacy is already his legacy. You don't do that. You carry your own legacy. You keep it popping and going. You're not no real Laker. Like, the real Laker fans are the real Laker fans, like, and real Laker players. So when you hear these guys saying this type of stuff and doing this type of thing, doing these type of things, I'm I'm wondering what is it for? Is it for the show or is it for real life? Because real life, Kobe had a mentality. He didn't pass. We know that. He'll tell you he's not going to pass. Like Kyrie Irving, he got that same mentality. He don't. He go. Like, they work to go. And to to hear and see the, the stuff that I'm hearing and seeing, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm wild about it. So when I hear about me being selfish and I'm, all of these different things, when I know that I wasn't, I'm, I'm shocked and I'm amazed because I'm like, wow, you still sticking on something that somebody told you to say for, from so many years ago. You, LeBron, when you said not a real Laker, LeBron? That's my opinion. What, go Dive into that with us. I mean, he been there for two years. This is his third year. He's not no real Laker. He just wanted to be a Laker. He, he, he went to Miami. Like, he played in Cleveland. This is your home. You went to Miami. Then you went back to Cleveland. Then you went to the Lakers. I mean, it's like, it's that to me, that's not the Lakers is like magic. Then, and, and 
and and and Kobe. Like those are Lakers. These the, guys are the like La- you want to be a Laker. The Lakers, Mount Rushmore. You don't think LeBron can ever make it onto it? Nah. I, why? That's ridiculous. I'm just, Come on. I'm just that's asking. Ridiculous. I'm just asking. I'm just. I'm not. That's why? The, I'm not saying my opinion is that he oh, could. Oh, no, I'm asking you why. I'm just asking you. Uh, no, I'm asking you why. <laughs> yes, let him explain. Why are you, yeah, why are you asking that? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, clar- I'm just clarifying. I think it makes sense what you're saying. I'm just clarifying. Are you clarifying for an answer, or are you no, clarifying we, because this is what you're thinking? No, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm just checking, so you don't think LeBron could ever make the Lakers my run short. No, that I'm asking it. you, why would you ask that? <laughs> I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what made you think inside your brain to ask that question. I think you're right, though, Steph. Like I think last year with LeBron, it still felt really, really weird, and with kind of how he came into the team and how reserved he was, especially like not playing the final like month of the season, whatever it was, there wasn't the sense that he was at all a real Laker. I think people are kind of still weird about and him. Kobe Walked on the court with his Achilles torn, man. He yeah. went to go shoot two free throws. But also, again, like Kobe was here for twenty. Kobe was in LA it's for twenty a years. Yeah, that's, I'm like, right. Up, they grew up like everyone it's, in LA it's, grew it's, up it's, with it's, him it. and all that stuff. I feel so bad. I, I ain't gonna tell a lie. I feel bad for LeBron a little bit because he went to the Lakers. Kobe passed away. You know, you got this sensitive, sensitive thing, and then they put him right in the middle of it. It's yeah, but he like, did a phenomenal job with that. Though. Of course he did. He yeah. had no choice. He handled it well. Yeah. <laughs> he had no, well, no choice. He didn't he have had to speak to. that night. He could have said no to that. No, he he could have said no, but he did it. So it doesn't matter. It's like saying if, right? He did it. Yeah. So when he he did something, he had no choice to do that. He's representing the Lakers, right? He a Laker now. He's a Laker. Yeah, it feels like he is now. Yes, right, that, right. He's immersing into the the culture. But Mount Rushmore to his question, come on, man, <laughs> that's not even fair. It's not fair to LeBron. He's yeah. basically saying you're supposed to be on it because you you one of the best players to ever play. If not, they're saying you the best. This is he's why un- you feel yeah, like he's undoubtedly one of the best yeah, players that, ever to play for the not Lakers. Deserving of that. For yeah. sure, that's, for sure. that's not deserving of that. You can't come to my, you can't come to Abraham Lincoln and you was you you come as a senior, you win a championship, and all of a sudden you get to go on Mount Rushmore, Lincoln High School. I, I would say if he wins a title <laughs> this years. year, if he wins a title this year, Laker fans will think of him as the Laker fans are going to be happy that they won a the championship. For sure, that's so what's going to happen. They'll probably lie to themselves and say, "No, they're not going to lie to them. Those are true fans." See, <laughs> okay. you're missing it. Okay. Yeah, you've been in New York so long. All right, man. so let me, Steph. Let me ask you this: I'm from, Cle- I, I'm from Cleveland. Oh I, my God, I'm, God. I'm from Cleveland. <laughs> oh, you know, Cleveland. Oh, yeah. your mom's from Minnesota. You're my, from Cleveland. My, my parents' family grew up in Minnesota. I grew up your in Cleveland. Your parents' family. Where your parents? Your parents is born in Minnesota. Yeah, North Dakota. Minnesota. North Dakota, North Minnesota. North Dakota, Minnesota. Which the one? The border. The Grand Forks right on the border. The t- We're going through my family legacy right now. Uh, he's a Cleveland. Oh, he's a Cleveland dude. He's a Cleveland dude. I'm a Cleveland. Oh, I'm, a Cleveland, from Cleveland. Oh, I'm from Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland. So okay. I've obviously followed LeBron. So you got a whole different feeling about it's LeBron. Exactly. He's, he's LeBron. Oh, yeah. oh, to me. It came out. To me, LeBron okay. is the greatest of all time. I got you. He delivered me. The, How old the, are you? 30. I just turned 30. Uh, you, when you was about, when Mike retired. Night, uh, 2002, so you, three. Yeah, but you really don't know. The tapes don't really do it for oh, you. Oh, he's saying MJ the GOAT. That's what far. Yeah, that's of course. Cool. That's, a, that's, that's a normal thing for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's normal. I yeah. think that's... I'm talking about basketball players. Yeah. Man. Not, not 6'8", 280, run you over. I'm not How talking about How far can that. LeBron get on your, your list of top five, though? Can he... 
LeBron is one of the best basketball players to ever play. I'll leave it at that. I okay. want to put him at a number because you got Kobe, you got Jordan. I got Jordan, I got Kobe. And one then and after two? that, I mean, just to me as the best basketball yeah. players to play, but you got Wilt, you got Kareem. Those guys, they, somebody got to throw them the ball. Yeah, They're not getting the ball and dribble the ball at the court by themselves. Yeah. Somebody got to give them the rock for them to do what they got to do. So mm-hmm. these guys, you looked at it and you said, okay, if I had to scale it and look at it from a basketball perspective, you'd say, these guys, they could get the ball out of bounds and then go and do it. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So for me, you know, you got LeBron. He could be three. He could be four. He could be five. He could be, you know, in the top ten to some people. I think LeBron is one of the best players to ever play basketball. I've never seen a guy do the things that he do. But there's some stuff that I see him on the court, and I'll be like, damn, he did that. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's checks and balances. Because when I see him shoot free throws sometimes, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious. It's been a problem his whole career. Yeah. It's not even a problem. He's changing. So that means... I see. I was driving. I seen he used calm for mental illness, health, something. The ads right the there. Ad, I just it's seen right that. Terrence right, I swear, and yeah. I was thinking about him shooting a free throw, and I was like, "Hold up!" So you use this to focus and lock in, <laughs> but at the same time, you shooting free throws a bunch of different ways. It don't look it look a little different. His free throw stroke changes every single season. Yeah, and like when he misses, like he goes into like like a mode of a guy who can't really shoot free throws. Yeah. Like you see him like changing his footing, changing his shot. It's not consistent. One motion, yeah. same shot every time. I believe this is gonna go in. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the stuff that happens. I mean, people get mad, and I'm just saying the stuff that happens is going. It goes on. Like that, it is what it is. It's not. I'm not trying to pick or be funny and I'm like that. I'm just no. talking about what happened. Yeah, the movie's gonna be out by this right. Okay. Yeah, the movie's out and everybody's gonna. Everybody go see the film. It's out. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, so well, I want to ask another Mount Rushmore question. Oh God. About, no, 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 <laughs> not about. Not about fun. No, no, God. not about. Not about NBA players. I want to ask. They're gonna what, kill me with this podcast. Yeah, you ready for this one, Steph? Kill Who, me. Who's on the Mount I'm Rushmore done. New York City point guards? Oh, that's a good one. You say, say it again? Who was on your Mount Rushmore for New York City point guards? Oh, God. <laughs> that's a good one. You asked me a that's a good question. one. Come on. That's going to be tough. That's tough. That's a- Man, I mean, it's so many. I can't I know. even think. A, this I can't is, even. Really I got to literally one. look at a list. If yeah, I had a list in I mean, front of me, I can't really comes go to top, Yeah, top of your mind, though. I mean, it's so many. It's It's a lot. I'm not. I, I I don't put myself at the top of that list. Just so everybody know, <laughs> I'm not at the top of that list. There are other people that people before me that play basketball whose styles could play right now in the NBA. So, you know, if your style could do the same thing right now that it did back then, to me, that's timeless. Like you. You talking like a Kenny Anderson? Ken, I mean, Ken, Kenny Anderson, Ross Strickland, these guys. Telfair. Um, S- Sebastian. Like, all of these guys are, excuse me, <laughs> are really good. <laughs> oh, my God. I, this is my first podcast I ever did. Wow. I never wow. did a podcast before. Applause to ourselves. <laughs> Everybody so, applause. I just make sure, make me look good, all right? The New, <laughs> Don't make me look bad. The New York point guard thing, it, it's very tough to rank. Has it, has it changed, though? Because it was obviously so competitive, and the doc shows that you guys were busting each other, you know, every day, every hour. What about today? What do you, do you pay attention to it today? And are there, like, guys you're like, is it the same level? I mean, you only really pay attention when it pop out. Yeah. You don't really pay attention when it doesn't really pop out. When it pops out, you know, like, oh, 
this this kid right here is gonna be nasty. He's gonna be a pro. Yeah. I mean, people forget I'm from Coney Island, a small small piece of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? It's two ways in, one way out. Basically, mm-hmm. how we like to say, well, we really say one way in, no way out. But <laughs> you know, when people look at how many pros have come from Coney Island after I kicked the door down to make it into the NBA, you know, it shows the percentage. The percentages are on our side in favor and us basically doing something crazy. So every 10 to 15 to 20 years, we get a pro, Mm -hmm. which is what we've shown over the course over the last 20 something years, if you look at it. Yeah. Because we got a lot of pros. A pattern has started yeah. from you. You, you started it, a pattern. Exactly. Yeah. So my brothers were the brothers that were starting that lineage of trying to get into the NBA and pushing for that, you know, space for us to basically say, okay, this family is inspiring and pushing the mm-hmm. high school, college, and then trying to make it to the NBA. So when that happened, it wasn't me. People forget. I'm like, that's why I said this doc in 90 minutes is not going to give you everything. Yeah. So this is just the beginning, right, and telling a story so people can know. Because my brothers were the ones that started it. People don't know my brother played against Jordan in college. My yeah. brother played for Georgia, and he played against Mike. A lot of Jordan. people are for sure going to learn that in the doc. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to yeah. learn some of these things, you know. So I had brothers that taught me a lot of the business in basketball. Mm-hmm. So my decisions that were being made, it wasn't like a kid like LeBron James. His mom can be my sister. Mm-hmm. That his, My mother could be his mother. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. the growing up is completely different. You know what I'm saying? As far as what we learned, what we know, what we've been exposed to in our homes and how we were raised as kids. So it becomes a difference, whereas a lot of other kids make different decisions because they don't have that same infrastructure. I had that infrastructure within my family. So that's some of the things that people learn about in the doc. Are you cool with like the AAU system now, like and how that has become such a thing and like how early they're getting these kids. Like, that whole situation and system kind of, it's changed. So, you if know. you're nice, they're going to see you. They're going to talk about you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's right to first the market. I yeah. mean, so. The cream always rises to the top type thing. People going to always try to make money off of other people. Period. Yeah. It's never yeah. going to stop. And basketball is a great platform to do that. It's, you know, which kids, you know, who who they surround themselves around and who they um, allow to teach them the game of basketball. Because some of these kids are nice playing AAU, all of these different things you get when it's time to play in the NBA. They don't know the NBA game. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at them, and they nice. They could jump from the free throw line. They could do this. But if you ask them to come off pick and roll, free throw line, extend it, and make a downhill motion and if a guy step up, cross over and go to the basket and make a regular layup. Not one of those Euro step and all of that. <laughs> Just make a layup. Yeah. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. And when you, when I say know how to do it, they don't know the angles of how to move on the court because basketball, is it's an art and a science to it. It's not you just get on the court and you hoop. When you arc, you shoot your shot, how I swish, how you do all of that. That's all – you know that's that's a that's a system. People were quick to blame Steph Curry for that. The whole people pulling up from forty five. You know, you saw Lamelo Ball's high school. I started game. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
I started shooting from half court. I did it in real NBA games, yeah. like seriously. No, I know. Yeah, so when kids started doing that, that became that wasn't that that didn't just happen. Like I started that in Golden Hoops. You know Golden Hoops? That's they used to, how old are you? I'm twenty. Yeah, oh, you twenty. 20. Yeah, real young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for people that know Golden Hoops, like when they went to go this is like this is during Harlem week when they used to have Golden Hoops. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's fest it's like a festival time. Yeah. Um in Harlem when everybody is you know, during a good time, and then they had basketball mm-hmm. and Gauchos, Riverside, yep. Aim High, all of the you know top yeah. AAU teams come together. They come and together play. and yeah. they play, and it's at Columbia. It was at Columbia College. Yeah, and coming up, pulling up from half court, that was a a, a thing that we did in Coney Island that we practiced. So it wasn't like I was just doing it because people was like, oh, and then it was like, oh, and then it was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So when I see that, I love that. I see LeBron pulling up from deep now. He's been doing it the past couple of games. Yeah, Yeah, he's been doing it, right? So he's been working on that, shooting that far. You know, at that size, he could shoot from half court ridiculously. Imagine if you start pulling up from there, trying to guard that, going to the basket. I mean, it's like trying to guard Zion. (laughs) Like, that's these guys are are freight trains. Yeah. Steph, I want to ask um, about, from the doc, Chauncey talked about, Chauncey Biltz is in there, um, mm. and he talked about running around the streets of Brooklyn with you and KG when they were teenagers. So what were you guys doing? Remember any funny stories about you taking Chauncey from Denver <laughs> and KG from Chicago around the streets of Brooklyn? When I first brought Chauncey Billups to Coney Island, you know, it was after All-American camp. I'm repeating myself so she could have it. So, she could. <laughs> so when I brought Chauncey Billups from um when I brought him there, he was like looking at the buildings, like how I look when I go into when I was a kid growing to New York City. When you go into the city with your parents, and you looking all around, you looking up at the buildings. That's how he was looking in Coney Island. And Coney Island is nothing like the city, right? <laughs> so right away, I was like, "Yo, you know what you looking at?" You know what I'm saying? And then you know during this time, it was like one of the hottest days. It was super high. We didn't have an air conditioner. Yeah. <laughs> so my mother was like, oh, you got this boy here, and it's burning up hot. We don't got no air conditioner. I was like, well, we can get a fan, because I was trying to get him to stay the night, because my mom was like, no, we, this is not a good time. I'm like, oh, Ma, I already told him that he could stay. <laughs> so now he don't even know all of this. So I'm like, all right, cool. So now my mom's got to give me money to go try to buy a fan, something she don't want to buy. She's right. like, y'all can open the windows if it's just us. So I'm like, all right, he comes, he stays, he's like, yo, I ain't never in my life experienced all of these people like this inside the hallway, you know, people running up and down the stairs, the smell of piss, all of that. He's like really immersing into it, but he's like, I'm not getting used to this, right? So him coming during that time, that's when him and I became even closer because we played against each other when we were like, I think 13 or 14 in the BCI. It's a uh, it's a tournament in Phoenix that we played. It was an AAU tournament, mm-hmm. and that's when we met against each other. I think he had like 44, and I had like 41. We was going back and forth, and the gym was packed watching these two young kids go at it, and we became friends from then. Yeah. So hearing him talking to Doc, it's just like a brother, you know, talking, you know, on TV about you, and hearing him. See Say what he was saying, I was just laughing. I was like, "This guy, we got such a a wild, long, crazy relationship. It's cool." 
Yeah, it definitely seemed. It definitely came out that he was very uh, not used to the Coney no. Island lifestyle <laughs> from Denver. He was like, he's like, I live. there's a lot more in the story, but that was that's pretty much it. <laughs> had him had him out there in Coney Island. Uh, obviously, you've mentioned it during this pod. You're so big in China. You had a whole another career in China. You're head coach in China. The Daryl Morey thing was that. What did that do? Like, was that weird for you? When that happened? No. Do, what were your thoughts or reactions when that happened? I didn't have a thought, and I don't have a thought now. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man with a business. Yeah. It just kind of, you know, happened. All right, all right. Head coach in China. Nah, you got to ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was such, job. it was such a big thing, you know. Just you got to. Got, got to ask. Uh, put it out there. You're obviously a head coach in China now after a very successful playing career. What, what's it been like transitioning to coaching for you as, you know, after playing for so long? You know, it's it's been great. At first, I didn't want to do it. I really? had no desires to coach right away. I mean, when I say that, meaning like when you do this, you got to really be – I'm learning that you really don't get a chance to be prepared and be ready for it. But when, you know, I said that I wanted to coach was like two, three years, three years maybe. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to coach right after playing basketball. I wanted to give myself some time. But in China, it's kind of like their way of thinking is – well, it's kind of like stuff on if you're going to coach, it's, we bring food out and it's hot and then it get cold, nobody's not going to really want to eat that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of had to think about it. I was told this from my godfather there, who's super dope there, big guy there, that you know a lot of people listen to what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So I was like listening to him and I was just like, all right, cool. So taking on this job is... It's, it's 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 a challenge because now you gotta get guys to do things that you want them to do while they're playing their style, and you gotta figure out how to make them understand your style. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no fight. It's just getting these guys to learn your style because the team that I got, I got I assembled a whole new team. I didn't have guys on the team that played and the team was in the last place. So I had all of these different things that I had to think about. So it wasn't about the basketball and coaching part because you really just, as Phil Jackson says, you, you take a bunch of personalities and you put them all inside of a bag and you try to deal with every personality differently mm-hmm. in coaching basketball. Because yeah. Allen Iverson is not going to be the same as this guy. He's yeah. going to be completely different. Right, yeah. you know, Al, like I'm a hooper. Practice, nah. <laughs> so you know, guys, getting them to practice the way how we have to practice is in China. You practice basically like five and a half hours a day. You know, really you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, five hours. Thursday, three hours. Friday, five hours. Saturday, five hours. Sunday, off. So this type of regimen is a completely different regimen from what we're used to in America. So yeah. now I'm in stealing. I mean, I did that for nine years. Yeah. You know, so I got used to training that way and playing that way. Mm-hmm. But now I got to do this with guys, and now these my, they calling me the devil coach. They calling me everything because <laughs> of the way I be practiced. It does it bring you? You brought up Larry Brown earlier. Is it bringing you back? That's to, are different. You, you're not seeing the other <laughs> no, side no, of it. No, okay. That's okay. Different. Okay. Larry Dow, Larry Brown is different. Like from the coaching standpoint, I'm free. I don't. I'm me. I get on my players only when they don't. When they don't practice. When they don't play the way we we practice. Way more Phil than Larry. You're saying. Say it again. Way more Phil Jackson philosophy. 
No, it's my own philosophy. Okay. I just use them as an example. Okay. I'm growing into who I want to become. I take something from everybody. I'm not saying Larry Brown is a bad coach. I'm just saying Larry Brown isn't the coach that can coach me mm-hmm. because our minds are, you know, I, I'm, I, like you got to talk to me the way how you want me. To, like I, I'm, I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. So you got to weigh in how you feel about how you do things, and I'm not going to be that mind that's going to listen to that if you're getting mad at me because of that, that's cool. But we still could work with work with each other. Mm-hmm. But when it starts to get to where it's personal and you you want to make it into that, no, nah, I don't care that your name is Larry Brown. Mm-hmm. I don't care that everybody look at you like that. That that doesn't move me on earth. I don't care what they say about me because I'm saying the truth about what went on. That doesn't bother me. I'm good. So coaching now for me is like, all right, I got to do all of these different things. I got to strategize. I got to coach. I got a game plan. I got to do all these different things. That's part of basketball. That's the part that I love about doing what it is that I'm doing now. But the whole preparation part at the beginning, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work. And if you do it in China, you got to do it. You can't, you can't, you can't play with that. Like you're into it now. You got, you, you got to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm full, all the way in. You got to go 100% full team ahead. into it. Yeah. Like 100. I love it. It's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's great when you can see players, you know, changing and growing and becoming consistent because that's what I teach. I teach consistency. I can te- I teach working at a level, smart. I play hard, smart, and together. And, you know, my way of thinking is when you go on a court, if you go and practice and you practice this way and you practice hard and you focus and you're correcting yourself, when you get in the game, if you miss a shot, you know why you missed. Mm-hmm. You can adjust. You know why this play didn't work. You know why this didn't happen. And my team, they all, you know, they grew to to understand that, yo, coach let us shoot from anywhere. He don't care. Anybody can shoot. I'm like, but if somebody over, make the extra pass. Sometimes, you know, if you hot, you shoot it. Yeah. You know, we want you to shoot it. He ain't been making it. <laughs> don't throw it there. <laughs> don't pass it there. You shoot there. that. <laughs> you yeah. open. You open if you hot, basically, on my team. So yeah. they love that. So that's how we flow. We, we, we hoop. We play together. We you know, everybody do their thing. Whoever got it going, we, we ride with them, you know. So, for me, you know, this is the fun part about coaching. Yeah. Like, seeing my players get hot and seeing them tap into a zone and get into a space. You know, teaching them to stay in that space. That's what, you know, I feel like the coaching part is and what, you know, I love about you know, being a being a coach, especially in China, because it's a translator translating for me. But yeah. the, you know, the foreign players they get they get it good. Yeah. You know, and playing playing for me because you know they can understand the Chinese players when they start to get it. That's when you know what you're doing is working. It's getting through to them, yeah. 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 Steph, just want to quickly ask, um, what is it like to be a basketball god in China? <laughs> 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 don't say that. Don't, don't say that. I don't want nobody. You are though. You have a statue. Don't like you're that. worshipped over there, though. That, I mean, you are a big fucking deal over in China. You know, China is is so dope. It's such a humbling, amazing blessing to be able to to have those things and to have done something to receive them. Because in China, they don't just do that. And for for me, being personally, I'm just I'm I don't even look at it like that. I look at it like, you know, you know, being able to to do that, you know that people paid attention and they watched and they recognized your work. They saw your hard work, they saw your effort, they saw your focus, your determination, because they know the story and what went on in the NBA. So my story and what I was writing and how things were going, it turned into to being like epic because 
for me when I say that because I know what space I was when I left China. I was depressed. I was down. I was. I didn't want to go to China at that time, but it was the decision that I made to do something. But when I'm flying over there and I'm like, man, what what did I do? Like, did I really make the right decision? And you try to, you know, you don't, you don't. I never question God because I know God ain't bringing me that far to go do nothing. It's something that's going to be done. But you don't know that when you're going there. You don't have no idea all of this was happening. I told somebody, they laughed at me. I said, yo, check it. If I told you that I had a dream, that I got a stack, two statues, a museum, a green card, and all of these things, you know what you'll do to me? You'll laugh at me. You'll be like, yo, Stephon Marbury is really out of his mind. I, he just now came to me and told me all of these things are going to happen, right? And he was going to win championships, and he was going to do this, and people would be like, word. You the dude that was on a New York Knicks bench, you couldn't even get off the bench? Really? You was sitting there pouting the whole time without pouting and acting like you was smiling when Dan Tony sacks you on the bench? Nobody's not going to believe that. They're going to look at you and be like, hmm. But now we are removed from that space and we're in a different space now so we can speak and talk about that, became which is reality. why we're doing it. it exactly. Became, became so reality. that's why I said it's a, it's a blessing. A true legend. Stephon Marbury, we thank you so much for Love. joining us. A kid from Coney Island My first is out podcast. now. Theaters everywhere. And holla at me at Starberry Marbury on IG, baby. Holla at me. I got something to tell you. Everybody okay. go follow <laughs> Stephon Marbury on you IG right now. You don't follow back? Of course. Oh. There we go. There we go. I, I, look how many people I follow. People, I tell people on all social media platforms. If you can follow me, I can follow you. Team follow back. Period. I look at people, they got zero followers. I say, oh, that's who you are. Okay. <laughs> You're a zero. All right. <laughs> you don't have not one person. No, I don't follow nobody. Everybody follow me. Okay, I got you. I feel you. I got right. you. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We really Love. appreciate it. Peace. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. That's my first podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Huge shout to Stefan Marbury coming through. That was a great interview. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Zion even spoke up a little bit. That's how you know it was good. Uh, <laughs> Young Zion. <laughs> making a, making and even Stefan made fun hey. of your age, too. It's not just us. Hey, Marbury man. made fun of how young you were. Hey, man. I'm a uh, basketball head. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got Ho uh, not Jose Alejandro in the house. Yeah, trivia. Yeah. Trivia time. Let's do it. All right, Last cool. segment of the episode. Obviously, shout out to Stefan Marbury. Let's do some trivia before we get out of here. Cool. You heard you guys did well without me last week. Uh, Jasmine was a trooper. <laughs> All right, cool. If you guys are ready, I am. I'll, so here's the first question. Okay. All NFL teams have their logo on their helmets, but one team only has the logo on one side of their helmet. The what? Steelers. Ah. Do you know why? 
No, is that that's Damn, too you easy? Can't, you can't let you can't let him answer. You can't say yes. Yeah. Question. Answer. I want harder questions. But yeah. go ahead, tell the reason because I don't well, know. Well, the, the Browns why. don't even have a logo. So what's up with that? Oh yeah, that's true. So the Browns don't have a logo on either side. Yeah. Yeah, take that. Yeah, but again, the question was, was a, a team that only has side. a logo on one side of the helmet. But oh. you already gave him the answer, so you didn't give us a chance to answer. Yeah, right? I'm not mm-hmm. giving Adam a correct on that one. Yeah. Next, I am correct. That's a question. Cut that part out. Yeah. Next. Um, no, but I want to know the reason why. Do you have the reason why, Alejandro? Yeah, yeah. So when they developed their new logo, which is the one they use today in the 60s. Trash uh, logo. Yeah, they, at that time they had like a gold, their helmets were gold. So they tried it on one side and they had like a 9-5 and five record that season. So they just stuck with it. Hmm. I hate no, not as, not as sexy as I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah, all right, next one. That doesn't count for a win as Adam. Let him, it does because I answered correctly. Let us all think about it for a second. Okay. So this player holds the best rookie passer rating in the entire history of the NFL. Who is it? Sheesh. Hmm. Passer rating as a All rookie. Right. All right, but how far are we going back? Give us a decade. I have an answer. Don't, don't give in us the a history decade. of the NFL. Give us like a, a no, don't, no hint, no hint, no hint. Bro, that's like a. There's a lot of quarterbacks that played but, in the NFL. But think about so, who played as a rookie. I'm, I'm, I'm I have going, an idea. I think I know. I'm ready to offer an answer. Go up. Go ahead. Let us all guess before you say. Hey, I'm waiting. Adam, go. I'm first. gonna say. So my guess is gonna be Dan Marino. My guess was also gonna be Dan Marino. Wow. Don't say Dan Marino. You weren't gonna say Dan Marino. I was gonna say Dan Marino. No, you weren't. Me, no, you weren't. We should all write them. We should all write them down. Let me give. Uh, I and feel how like, am I gonna do that? I feel pal, like it's more like. current. Is it more current? That that's. Don't, don't give him As in the 2000s to the 2020s. Don't give him any hints. Bro, yeah. just so, say but, that. So just what's say your that. final answer? Just yeah. give me that. No one's giving you the anything. 2000 to 2020s? No. Get out of here. Go, come on, bro. Say an answer. Say it's not Eli Manning, I can tell you that much. It's not Eli Manning. I, I really don't know. I, w- I will say something wild as Andrew Luck, but. That's that's not a bad guess. I'll go Andrew Luck. Uh, it's actually to high heaven as rookie. It's season. actually Dak Prescott. Wow! wow. Yeah. Pay the man, Jerry. That's wow. Here in 2016, oh, I he had some stupid start, and he wasn't. Yo, yeah, that, his best, the best <laughs> passer rating of all time between okay. rookie QBs is 104.9. That's a really you right. stumped us. Yeah, you stumped, stumped us. us. All right, next. Okay, um, what player has the highest career three-point field goal percentage in the NBA currently? No, all-time career. Oh, um, Mark. I'll say Wilt. Mark Price. Three point percentage? Oh, three points. Sorry, I thought you said field said goal in general. Three, <laughs> no, three yeah, point field goal percentage. Yeah, that's, that's your answer. <laughs> I missed the three nah. points. So I'm sorry. I'm saying Mark Price. Oh, yeah. Because I know currently Seth Curry has a higher three point shooting percentage than Steph. So it's yeah. not Steph. Um, sheesh. I'm going to say Dell Curry. That's a good one. Come on, Zion. That's a lot. You're going going to just... Well, we don't want to be easy. I'm going to say... i got to go put a time limit on this. Yeah, right? Chill out, chill out. Three, two, one. Answer. I'll go... Yeah, I'll just go Del Curry, too, because... Del Curry, Mark Price. So, it's actually Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Ah. Ah! Fuck Steve Kerr. Damn. Yeah, and these are just so like random. So That's it's hard good. to like. That's good. All right, last one of the week. Let's do it. Give us a nah. What you're supposed to do is give us a theme next time. No, no theme. Like, yeah, All over the place. Okay, so well, I have two more if you guys want. No, let's go, do go, one go more. Ahead. 
Let's okay. do one more. Um, in the 2016 NBA Finals, mm. 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 this player became the first in NBA history to play for both in finals teams in the same season. Oh, I already know what it is. Oh, Anderson Varejo. Yeah, Anderson Varejo. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little that's easy. That's too easy. That's All right. Easy. Okay. So that's I won this week. A layup. I won Cap. this week. Cap. <laughs> Cap. Adam, you still there? Hand wave. All right. Hand wave that question. Hand wave your answer. This right. one about the Olympics. Someone no, tell Alejandro okay. to get better questions. Yeah. Actually, I kind of like Zion's idea of a theme. That would actually be good. Yeah, yeah okay. Like, your brain like is stick so to young. NBA, stick to football, stick to baseball. But not even that. Just like... Like we had March Madness, he's like in the theme of March Madness last week. Yeah. So like, yeah, we had. All right, we so for a couple weeks, so yeah, we'll have a March Madness theme Q and A or not Q and A. It's trivia, pal. Trivia, excuse me. Yes, cool. thank you. All cool. right, yeah, and then I'll research for you. Appreciate Let's do it, Alejandro. We appreciate the trivia. We know you guys enjoy I mean, it. Jasmine was a little bit smoother, but that's just you know we'll, we'll let we'll let slap your first. <laughs> your first. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that's it for the trivia this week. We're gonna get some theme questions going forward to March Madness, NBA, all that kind of stuff. Alejandro, thank you for that. Again, thank you to Stefan Marbury coming through. That was an amazing interview. Uh, one of my favorite guests that we've had on the show. Uh, for Adam, myself, we're gonna get out of here. Of course, special shout-out to our producers, Alejandro DeJesus and Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Craig Clayton and Josh Dodd. Mixing done by Jasmine Plata. Our editor-in-chief, Damian Scott, shout to him. Director of video operations, Jen Stewart. Load management is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Never forget that the Load Management Podcast is the number one sports podcast for your listening pleasure. 